Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Giannis on the near wing left, defended by Brown, drives in on Brown, attacks inside and sends it down with a right hand dunk. What a move. He's going to drive, kick out to the corner, waiting, Horford three, got another one. <laughs> man almighty, where did that man, he did sell his soul to the devil. Curry stumbles on the drive, two to shoot, backs up, baseline, jumper good. Ridiculous. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go, 5 o'clock hour, Bucks, Celtics, Warriors Radio Networks there. Excellent night of basketball. Lots of highs and lows in that uh, Bucks and Celtics. Don't give guys dirty looks, then they go off. We'll get to that with the honest. When's he going to learn? When's he going to learn? Right? Warriors, you know, they're the Warriors. Game plan was, let's take out the best player on the other team. You grab a knee, he's out. Series is pretty much over. Update John Morant. Doubtful for the rest of the series. And uh, we're tracking two basketball games tonight. We'll get into in the Big Five if, what did I say? You said two. We're tracking three. We are tracking. Okay, Aces up. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, and NBA, two NBA yeah. and one WNBA. My bad. My bad. Uh, we'll get into the issue when the series goes back to Dallas if CP3's family is going to be safe. Big Five time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. I'm going to tell you right now, if I'm 26 and go 5'6", 314 and I'm balding and I spend most of my life playing or working on computers. I ain't part of a cover three defense to stop some burglars, some robbers at a Best Buy. Now, I don't think everyone in the Geek Squad is 56314. I've dealt with some people, some lovely people. They've helped me out many times in the past. Highly recommended. But the video I saw of three idiots just grabbing stuff in the electronic store and then running in a direction. All of a sudden there's a bunch of blue shirts, like getting down in the stands to defend. Like what the hell was going on here? Can I first say that? I thought you were taking shots at me, but then you said no. five, six and balding. I was like, oh, clearly not. I mean, look at me. I'm, I'm something handsome. You're very hairy, uh, but you didn't, by the way, you didn't dispel the three fourteen. but keep no, going. That's what I'm saying, but I'm handsome. Okay. You know what I mean? Go, and you're not five, six. Um, no, like this is, so this video, which, uh, I just retweeted. You can go up there. I'm at me. JVT. Give me a follow too. Um, so these guys go up to the rip the cords. They're trying to steal these phones. The incredible part is not barely above average minimum wage employees risking their lives to to save items that probably are insured by Completely the store insured, and yeah. have no need to be protected. It is the quickness with which they assemble. They were pretty like, good. Like, like they're ready. You're, you're watching them, and it was like everybody made the joke, but it's like somebody like blew the Viking horn or said like. You know, employees assemble, and like everybody was just there immediately, all down low and like all down low in sumo squats. One dude's laterally moving with the other, trying to keep them at bay. It was incredible how quickly they showed up to try and stop whatever was going on. Update on the story: They've all been fired. I'm, I'm willing to. Think that's the other part. It's they hap- might be. It's happened before. They might be. Right? Any job I have, any job I have had in retail, one of the first things they tell you is it doesn't matter if they steal things. Like, not they don't say it with that like verbiage, but they say, it is not your job. Don't worry about it, right? And in this case, where I'm sure Best Buy's got insurance on these cell phones, why in the world would you risk anything to try to stop these guys? I heroes, would, man. They're all heroes. I'd show them the door. 
Look, here you go, guys. I might stop in tonight, like unrelated Geek Squad people, and just be like, you're doing a great job. <laughs> it, was, it was so great. And the best part is if you watch one of the guys that shows up, he's got like clearly tight pants on. He pulls him up at the thigh because like he's like getting ready to roll. <laughs> and like, I'm sure like some of them, you know, that there's like some customer angst that's built into this. He's like, you know, like jo- like Joanna just started screaming at him for no reason about her cell phone minutes. And he's just ready, dude. He's like, all right, that's it. I'm taking it out on him. Oh, it was ridiculous. Number four. So we got Phoenix and Dallas going at it again. There is going to be a game six because it's a 2-2 series. When they go back to Dallas, is Chris Paul's family going to be safe, John? Or will they be victims of unwanted hug gate two? Yeah, this is weird. So we get the report from Sham Sharani and others, and a statement has been released from the Dallas Mavericks on the incident involving Chris Paul's family and the fans. From the statement, Dallas Mavericks say American Airlines Center and Dallas Mavericks security and executives have concluded the investi- concluded the investigation into the incident involving the Paul family. Two unruly fans attempted to give unwanted hugs and have conversations with members of the Paul family on the public concourse of American Airlines Center. AAC security responded immediately once notified by the family, and the fans were swiftly ejected from the game. Fans involved in the incident not be allowed to return until the 2023 season. Okay. Big punishment. Um, so there's a couple of things here. Can I just say, I believe that an incident occurred. But you couldn't form a better and more relatable statement than unwanted conversation, right? And things like, like, it was first poured out to, like, like uh, Kenny Kenny Smith up on the TNT broadcast. I don't know if you saw the other day. He tried to report yesterday that the fans were drunk and pushing them. He said, I talked to the Pauls. They, they, they were drunk. They were belligerent. They were pushing them. Kept pushing them. But we saw a video of a kid getting escorted out. Right. We see it like an adult that was of drinking age. And then we get this statement that says that they tried to give them unwanted hugs and have conversations with them. Seems something seems a little bit off. And I don't want to say that. I think, maybe some, I think something happened, and I think this description sucks. Right. Because it, it puts some doubt into the story that it makes they're the, that they're exaggerating. Because frankly, I mean, I guess the easy joke would be on this show, in all of our lives. Unwanted hugs and and convo that I, I'm not into. Like, it's most of my life. I wish I could. I wish and I'm I, the nice one on the show. <laughs> I wish I could get people banned from areas for talking <laughs> right. to me. You know? But, like, that's to me, that's part of the problem. <laughs> like, Imagine V-Sin security at the South Point. John's dealing with unwanted hugs and right. un- unnecessary conversation. Get down here and save them. This guy keeps telling me about a 17-team parlay. Like, I just can't do this anymore. <laughs> can't do it. Um, but, but give me a bro hug. But to your point too, like like at least how I take a statement like this, yeah. it it makes the polls kind of come off as almost elitist to a certain extent. I right? don't know, like, man. Like it, I, but I also think a lot of people just ran with it. Like Barkley, you right. know, Barkley's talking about meeting up with fans to fight them for five minutes, which right. is absurd. I don't think you can fight anyone at this age and wait. But like people ran with it, man. Yeah, they went. They got crazy. They got crazy. You know, what? let's see if we can do this. Joy Taylor too from yesterday. Any shot? Like, Joy Taylor was, she went through this whole thing and, like, without really knowing what happened, like, tied it to the Chappelle attack. Like, wait, is that what happened? Do we have that on video? Number three. That was a no on the Joy Taylor sound. Uh, Jokic, MVP. There are people pushing back on it, including former NBA player Steven Jackson. 
Uh, I guess he's not thrilled that Jokic got it over Embiid. Jokic is great, better than I ever was. I ain't taking nothing from him, dog, but he is not a back-to-back MVP, just like Steve Nash wasn't a back-to-back MVP. And these are just facts, man. It's other players who having great years, career years, who teams have a chance to win the championship. And if you know the game, you know Denver did not have a chance to win the championship. And that's just speaking facts. It ain't taking nothing from him. It's just the facts, bro. Okay, is it the MVP of teams that have a chance to win the championship? Is that the, the side note on the uh, award? Come on, man. It's regular season award. You know what we should do? So I, th- I thought about this. I have a solution. We should, after they win the championship, we should have an award for the best player of the series, like the NBA Finals. We should have an award for the best player in that series. They might do that. Oh, yeah. wait, they do? Yeah, they do that. What is yeah. that? Yes. Oh, the Finals MVP? You mean they have an award for people who win in the postseason? Like, every every argument. And this is what annoys me. Again, I will be very clear. Joel Embiid is a deserving yeah. winner of this Both award. Of us don't care. Right. I don't care at all. It's just when, when you me. come across with logic that is right. illogical. Like, you think that like he's just like, yeah, anyone who knows it, like, Bro, you're not even having the right discussion. Right. It's a regular season award, and it's not. And, and a team that wins 46 games, that you're right, probably can't win a championship, can still have the MVP. But like, and what, and like, that's the thing that really drives me nuts about this conversation. You mentioned Joy Taylor, right? Joy Taylor also had, you know, she, when she was filling in for Colin yesterday, she had like this bit on the MVP, and her, like everybody else who's making the argument, starts the conversation with, "I know it's a regular season award." But, but. <laughs> and then goes on to say, I'm still watching Joel Embiid in the postseason. Like, yeah. And she also came dangerously close because this is the other thing, too. The other part about this that we're not talking about, people just don't watch the Denver Nuggets, right? They just don't. They, they don't watch the Denver Nuggets in any way whatsoever. She kind of alluded to postseason success, kind of forgetting that Nikola Jokic has come back from not one, but two 3-1 series deficits in his career in the same postseason and made it to the Western Conference Finals and lost to the Los Angeles Lakers. Because there's people I've seen who go, oh, what has he done in the postseason? He, this is the first year he's ever been eliminated in the first round. This is the first time in his career he's ever been eliminated in the first round. So you can't even well, hold up I'll, postseason success about it either. Again, I don't, I'm not rolling the postseason into it, but right. if you want to use this year's postseason as evidence, when he was on the floor going against one of the top, we'll call him seven defenders in the NBA and Draymond Green, he scored every time he freaking wanted in that elimination game. Every time. Like, the, I was watching the Warriors broadcast, and they're like, nothing you can do. Yep. I mean, that's the definition of a guy who's super valuable when the opposition is like, we can't do anything no matter where this guy catches the ball on the floor. He's going to score. He's going to grab a rebound. He's going to dish it to someone who will score. And it's weird because... There is almost like this weird vitriol around it. Yeah, what is it? Because I often think there there has to be a story behind the stories. Like last week for me, I thought it was really weird that a bunch of people jumped on Ryan Tannehill, and I never really got to ask any expert who follows the league. Like he must be a jerk, right? For this many people to come out of the woodwork, and and also like subtweet. Like Kurt Warner must have a story of like I don't know what Tannehill, you know, some exchange he had with his wife. Or I'm not alleging mm-hmm. anything, but like. There had to be something to it. And the same thing with Jokic, there's so much negative stuff around him. Like, is he known as a jerk? No, I, I think I know what it is. He is a European center. That's what it is. Wait, like, I'll ask you this. Who's another player that you can think of in the NBA who is roundly disliked? Could that currently plays? Because the, you know the first thing that came to mind, the, the first name that comes to mind for me? It's Rudy Gobert. 
Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, there's like a vitriol around Rudy Gobert being considered one of the best defensive players in the NBA. And and there's two common threads to it, right? There's one. They're both Europe. They're both European centers. The other is their success is so intricately tied for some reason to advanced metrics. It's like both of these things have come together, and there's so many people who are just like, screw those guys. They don't deserve it. Yo, or um, Rudy Gobert gets the pushback all the time, and now Jokic is there too. When, like I just told Sam Paniatovic, who was with us in the last hour, you can paint, you can talk about Vorp and talk about nerds. He's the first player in NBA history to score two thousand rebounds, grab a thousand, uh, grab a thousand, or excuse me, two thousand points, a thousand rebounds, and have five hundred assists in a single season. There's just basic metrics that sounds come like Larry Bird numbers, right? So it's just but this not. weird, <laughs> right? It's just this weird thing that's going on. But at the end of the day, to me, it's just. Just use logic in your argument. If you have a logical reason as to why you think Embiid should win it, I'll follow it. I'm totally down with it. If he wins it, that's fine. It's just these nonsensical, weird, logic-bending arguments that drive me nuts. Number two. So we've been talking about F1 coming here for about three weeks since it was uh, leaked out, announced that F1's going to be here in November of 2023. It's going to take some capital investment. There's no doubt, right? I mean, just the roads alone to get it ready, the route, the track. Yeah. That's going to cost money. It looks like right now... Uh, LVCVA talking about a sponsorship of $20 million. $6.5 million a year. That's wild. And like, I actually, so I'm not, I won't lie. Like, this is not me pushing back on this. This is not me, you know, because I was very well informed when it came to the stadium stuff and why I didn't want all that public money, all of those things. To me, the interesting angle on this is is this really all because of a Netflix series that debuted two years ago? Like, this has exploded. Yeah. Like, I know F1 is popular to an extent, but the way that this has exploded in this country, and it seems tied into, you know, the company that bought F1 and everything they've been doing to promote it and all of that, it's wild to me to think that this is where we've gotten to this point. Yeah, the comment here is a strategic partnership between LVCVA and... Uh, F1 will bring thousands of F1 fans into town. It's going to be a Bafo event. Oh, did you see what happened in Miami this last weekend? They had like the Miami Grand Prix. I think it was like the debut of that event for the F1. It was wild. I like. I don't think that it wouldn't be successful. I'm just mind blown by how quickly they have grown this brand. Oh yeah. Well, like, it's at been, least it's here, been, in Los, here in Los. Here in A lot of it in the United States. No, a lot of it's because of the show. Yeah. And we've we've heard. And it was almost kind of a snooty thing, like, oh, it's the richest sport in the world, but you see the kind of money that goes into it. When you watch that show, it is – they just put in sort of a salary cap. I watched a little bit of it, but I don't know. Like, I think I watched into the early part of season number two. But it's incredible what the drivers make, what the fans spend. And we just came out of an event, the NFL Draft, that a lot of people on the ground in Vegas were like, eh, it was all right, but it wasn't good for the gambling part of Las Vegas. I would think this – and the audience it brings mm-hmm. and the money it brings will be good for the gambling side of things. So, uh, But I also think it's going to lead to a lot of construction and changes um, you know, around the strip corridor. So those are good things. And it doesn't seem outlandish to me, but I want to see more numbers. Otherwise, I will not know. Not, it's not like, you know, approve or not approve, but. You'll strip naked and chain yourself to the doors. <laughs> not, not allow them to have their meeting. I'm not happy with this at all. But I, I think it's going to be a really uh, crazy, exciting event. And. Yeah, maybe it will outperform. I, mean, I think it will. Not maybe. Maybe it'll outperform. I keep saying maybe, but the NFL draft, people thought that was a massive success. I think money-wise, this is going to blow it out of the water. Number one. John Montobel's in. 
from VSIN, one o'clock show every day on VSIN, Monday through Friday. Woo! Six and a half million. Nothing. Pocket change for Fox and a guy like Tom Brady. So it comes across today that once Brady's career is over, uh, New York Post reporting that Brady's contract to call games for Fox Sports is 10 years and $375 million. Now, if you read more into this, he's going to be doing a lot more than just announcing games. I think it's awesome. The money is there in TV. Like, I don't, I don't know if people pay attention to what salaries are paid to actors and actresses, um, news anchors, the kind of money they make. Like, many of them are north of $25 million a year. And that's how big football is. It's consistently one of the top-rated shows on TV. I think Brady will get it. I think Brady's a smart guy. Um, I love, I mean, I'm just counting it down right now, 3-2-1 until Troy Aikman bitches that he's only making $18 million. Troy Aikman's not on TikTok. It's That's part, actually, that, but, a, but you, you mentioned brand, that as sort of a throwaway. But Brady does have a, like a brand mm-hmm. idea. I don't know that Aikman considers himself a brand. And I think for the most part, Aikman is kind of boring. Actually, when Aikman is, the only time we really talk about Aikman is nothing he says during the games. Um, it's when he whines about stuff. Mm-hmm. When he goes with the, you know, back in my day thing. You know, when he tried to get on Pat Mahomes about, you know, hey, show me the rings, buddy. That's good, right? But I think it's it's not... He doesn't realize that's part of his brand. His brand is that he is a jealous ex-football player. I threw 16 touchdowns and 10 interceptions right, in the season. Right. And, and watched Emmett and the greatest <laughs> offensive line ever <laughs> roll out 3,000 yards. Yes, that was all me. You see how many clean handoffs there were? I didn't fumble a freaking P-damn ball the whole time. But I am seeing, I think this is uh, some media outlets trying to stir up some hatred for Brady. This is a very interesting headline from, or it's a tweet header from the athletic NFL. Tom Brady has never once been an analyst at any level yet. He is set to become the highest paid sports broadcaster. Well, I mean, what, what those have been the standards we, we see guys. What, where was Tony Romo abroad? What, where was he an analyst before? Right. Do we see, I mean, I guess in the case of Kirk Herbstreit, like he graduates to the NFL cause he's put in so many years in college football. Drew Brees. Like, is that really the standard? Right. Drew Brees too, right? If he's a TV network them. thinks someone is worth, 25 or 30 or 35 million dollars then they're going to pay it out and to miles simmons point miles from pft they are going to have a case where they probably overpay and you get a dud you get a dud who is not coachable not willing to get after current day players isn't funny. and frankly the other part of it is not do anything outside of just calling the game which i will guarantee you brady has agreed to do a bunch outside of the game and my my guess is that he looks at this as part of his overall brand. Hey, football is his thing. And he has a lot of other things, but football is his thing. Let me amass massive wealth here along with my wife. Let's push past, uh, push past a billion dollars in wealth. And eventually he will get an ownership. Yeah. I just, so I think there's a lot of interesting angles to this. I think the first and foremost, Tom Brady, you talk about his brand and the way that he's built this up. You could see this build coming from years ago when he started in Ted 2 all the way to what he's done in social media and whatnot. But that's why I like people like this to a certain extent. They have always thinking forward. They're always thinking about what their next move is. And this is part of the big plan for Tom Brady, and it's been in the works for a while. 
It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. If he needed that to get going, then they, he might want to set himself up to be in that position again next game where he gets dunked on. If that's what motivated him to go out there and have a great game that I hadn't seen in Lord knows how long. I mean, I actually forgot he was even playing for the Celtics. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. There you go, National Morning host Keyshawn Johnson. Al Horford. Do I do didn't, this? Didn't know he played for the Celtics. Uh, no, you know, we're talking about announcers and the fact. Like, I wonder I wonder when Keyshawn Johnson sees that Tom Brady's going to make $37.5 million a year, what do you think his reaction is going to be? Hey, good, you know, good for Tom. That raises things for everybody. That means I'll make more money down the road. Or... I don't know. I would expect the Keyshawn from you know his days with the Jets, kind of an egomaniac, like Boomer Esiason, who got all mad, was making statements about Pat McAfee, like how, how's how's he making all this money? Because he's coveted, because he works, because he understands he's got a brand, and you know the word I used last hour is relatable, right? Um, so you give me the team in the NFL coming up. That you're mo- most interested in. And don't look at this like you're John Von Tobel and you watch games with the sound off, right? You're the average fan. The NFL is your fun pass. Uh, you're going to get some stuff from the game on the field and off the field. And what do you hear to take into the office and, you know, do some talk at the water cooler? I don't think that really exists anymore, but whatever. You know what I mean? Like you're, you can talk mm-hmm. to your buddies about it. CBS is going to have Jim Nance and Tony Romo. NBC, Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth. ESPN stole Joe Buck and Troy Aikman for, like, who knows, $35 million a year. Amazon will have Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet, and Fox will have Kevin Burkhart and Tom Brady. What are you most fired up about? Uh, I'd probably go with Brady Yeah, and Fox. And, but also because that is the I new- love Romo. So, that's the, the, he, like, Brady's going to be really good to surpass Romo. I love Romo's. Uh, his enthusiasm for the game and his breakdown because I learn stuff. And I, I'm, I might be in the minority. I'm not. Because the guy wouldn't be on TV if I was in the minority. But I like Chris Collinsworth. Whatever's happening with Collinsworth, whether it's him seeing everything or his producers, I think as I watch the game, I'm like, okay, that was great. He ISOed this. I didn't see that. I learned this. Mm-hmm. Awesome. No, I agree. I gave you a lot there. But. No, no, no. But like I, your overall point, I think I would also say, ask me again in the year after I've seen Tom Brady, like Brady is my answer because he's the new thing. Like I just want to see it. Right. So if you're asking me right now, who would you rather see? You're asking me to choose between a bunch of pairs that I already know about, essentially, except for the one, but like Herb Street and well, uh, Michaels. Like, yeah. Yeah. like yeah. I, there's I'm no interest a, there. I'm not a Herb Street guy. I think he's anti-player, and I wonder how it's going to come across because I think he's anti-college football player. Yeah, uh, He's been one of the leaders about the sky is falling in NIL, so I'm out on him, but I am super excited for Tom Brady when he does go to the booth to call games in the NFL. More of Cofield and Company is on the way, live in the Finley Toyota Studios. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Back here at Cofield and Company, we've got a really good chance to talk to a bunch of the Raiders draft picks. Uh, good dudes. Excited to have him here in Las Vegas. This is a great place to live and play football, and we're introducing you to uh, some of these players. And um, the fifth-round pick, you know, listen, they wanted they wanted some depth on the defensive line, and uh, they're going to a different defensive line look here. They're going to play a lot of 3-4, and they got some great outside guys, but there's going to be intense competition on the line. And Matthew Butler is in Tennessee, fifth-round pick with Steve and John. How are you, sir? 
Good. How y'all doing? We're good. We're good. So how far away are you from uh, coming to Vegas? Because uh, rookie minicamp's coming up, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll be there bright and early Thursday morning. All right. You looking forward to it? You fired up? Yeah, definitely. Just, you know, obviously it's a little bit hectic packing up my apartment and making sure everything's where it needs to be. But physically, mentally, football-wise, I'm there. I'm already ready. By the way, what do you have to pack up for a trip like this? Like, how long are you staying? And Because I hate packing. Yeah, I've, I I don't love it either. <laughs> um, the main thing is, it's no, it's like we'll, we'll be there from, you know, Thursday until uh, the end of June. So, you know, during that time, obviously, you know, a lot needs to be handled as far as living situations and um, setting up, basically, you know, being ready to be there, you know, uh, to live and play ball, like yeah. I said. And, you know, there's some stuff that I like to keep. There's some stuff that I like to get, you know, shipped there or, you know, make its way there. There's some stuff, you know, I'll donate and stuff like that. And there's some stuff that's not of any use to me or pretty much anybody else. So, you know, it gets thrown away. But just sorting through that, like you said, it's uh, not exactly fun, but it needs to be done. We talk about like uh, Xbox, PS5, PC, like that Uh, kind of stuff. What's up? I mean that stuff you could kind of probably put in like a, a check bag, you know. Yeah. We'll we'll probably have a I hope you would have a down moment or so to play a video game. I'm I'm not huge in video games, but I like them. But as far as maybe like uh, you know, I have a couch. I have a nice couch that my my uh, grandma got me. You know, depending on where I live, that couch could be a nice accessory to the home and or or wherever I am. So you know, I put that in storage, make sure that it, okay. you know. All right. Nice and neat, and then you know, possibly it could get shipped there. If not, then you know, we'll we'll uh, be that as it may. We'll just get it handled from there. Well, I'll let you in on this show. Um, I actually have a problem. I'm a hoarder, so I I can't throw anything away. So I swear, when you were mentioning the couch, like if you weren't going to keep that couch, I would buy it off you. I have a brother who lives in Alabama, and I would have him drive up and get and get the freaking couch. So. I don't hey, want you, to, I, dude. You can't like throw anything. You can't throw anything out, man. You can't throw. I, I I hate to see good stuff get thrown out. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the only thing I'm throwing out is like you know, like I have this bed frame. I have this hat bed frame for four years. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm a big guy. His bed yeah. frame gets worn out, so yeah. that's uh, <laughs> that's going to get thrown away. Well, but, you know, the couch is solid. So I'll tell you a story about the uh, the bed frame that we had in the master. Uh, we broke it, but not how you think you know we'd break it. Uh, we broke it, and I refused to throw it out, and I fixed it myself. So I now have it in another room, and I will sleep in there every once in a while. So nothing nothing gets thrown out. But I understand, you know, you gotta you gotta slim things down, get rid of some stuff. So you mentioned, uh, I mean, some of the media availability. We're talking to Matthew Butler, fifth round pick of the Raiders. That uh, when you saw Vegas on the phone during the draft, your heart stopped. So kind of, what was your reaction? What were the emotions as you were getting the call? Yeah, some people quoted me as saying my heart dropped, which would be really negative yeah, connotation. Yeah. <laughs> that that was not it. I said my heart stopped. It was it was a moment of a lot of emotions, good emotions, you know, relief and happiness. You know, I I, I always saw myself in Vegas. You know, everybody was bringing up other uh, very good teams around the NFL. You know, about you know where they would imagine me at, or maybe they saw a scheme fit, but I always kind of saw myself in Vegas, especially after having been there for several days in February for the Shrine Bowl. And, you know, I thought it was a a great uh, place to be and that's where I am. So, you know, all of that was went into that moment. It wasn't anything negative. Like some people quoted it. I'm not sure how that got quoted that way. 
So I, I think it's pretty cool talking to, to, to guys like you and athletes like you because you played at a rare time, you know, in the midst of COVID and everything that happened. Uh, this extra season that you decided to play for, what was the thinking behind going back and playing for one more? Yeah, so, I mean, I I tried to, you know, I go to the University of Tennessee, so there's a lot of resources. You know, there's a lot of people who know people who know people. That's just how that goes. So when I get my opinions on – whether or not you know to come out of school, you know, you get a mixed bag. And I wanted that, that bag to be a little bit more uh, concrete. So I knew that whether I was going to be in the NFL or whether I was going to be in college, um, that I was going to be able to um, get better. That's how I always saw it. But I wanted to, you know, kind of maximize, you know, earning potential, maximize, you know, a little bit more concrete and, uh, solidify uh, my opportunity, and that, that's what I seem to have done. So, you know, now the next step is now that I'm a Raider is just to go there and compete and uh, prove them right for uh, drafting me. So let's uh, uh, that's the mindset for me. Matthew Butler's with us, Raiders, fifth-round pick out of Tennessee. Let, let's talk defense and the nuances of defense. You're an incredibly smart guy, you know, the, the highly honored academically at Tennessee. And I know you talked about the, you know, the right headspace uh, in terms of getting ready for football. But I, I think the, the most important thing to address is when you're a defensive lineman, schemes matter, usage matters. And I know you went through a lot of changes when you were at Tennessee. So talk about that a little bit in terms of finding, you know, the right coach and the, the, the way that they're going to use you in uh, correct fashion. Yeah, I, I certainly did go through a, a lot of coaching changes, schematic changes, uh, terminology changes at Tennessee. Um, three head coaches, you know, several line coaches, three defensive coordinators, you know. There's all some uniqueness and just some nuance change, if not a whole entire scheme change when it comes to all that. You know, so that that was a blessing in disguise because in the moment, you know, you certainly are like, man, this sucks, got to relearn this, and then, you know, got to teach the young guys this, and trying, I'm trying to learn and teach at the same time. And there was even points in college where I was kind of looked at as a second coach. So, but the blessing is you get to learn so many uh, realms of football. You know, I was talking to one of my old, uh, one of my good friends, really, um, who who mentored me, who coached me while in college. He was an assistant. And I was talking to him earlier today. And I was just telling him, like, hey, I asked him, like, hey, how do you, how's the rookie camp going to be, you know, uh, how should I go in? What, what should be my mindset? He said, you've gone through enough to where that's going to be pretty easy for you. You just got to go in and, you know, relax, you know, and make sure that you realize that there's a reason why you're there and uh, just continue to learn your role and then exceed your role. And then, you know, that's part of the competitive nature. That's part of being in the NFL. And, you know, just him reminding me of that kind of brought to uh, my realization, like how much, you know, I have learned how much I've been through and, how much that's gonna that has prepared me for this next level. Raiders have had some massive successes in recent drafts. Uh, you know, in the fourth and fifth round, Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro. How do how do you look at being a fifth rounder? I know a lot of people. You know, hey, it's a chip on the shoulder. Um, how do you look at it? I mean, to be real, like I obviously would have wanted to go earlier right. that day or earlier the day before, but I mean. You know, everything happens for a reason. You know, the Lord has blessed me in a positive way. So, yeah, it's a chip on my shoulder, but at the same time, you don't want to, like, not take it for what it is. You know, I, I was, I've been drafted, and, 
Um, it's a blessing, and it's also a chip on my shoulder. You know, it's no more or less than the other, and I'm, I'm, it's, it wouldn't have changed my mindset going in. I was still going to go, going with the same mindset to compete and to dominate every aspect of my day, every day that I'm at Las Vegas, and to try to make myself and the team better each and every day. So, yeah. So in past interviews, and I just referenced it, uh, the kind of the, the right football headspace. What does that mean, and, and have you played in games where you're like, man, you know, looking back on it, I wasn't right mentally going into the game? I mean, no, not really. No. Football is really fun for me, and it's a mindset game, yes, and it's a, it's, a, it's a cerebral game, of course, and obviously a physical game, but it's all about really your preparation. There's not a lot of times where um, my preparation – was uh, subpar going into a game. Execution, you know, may have been not what it needed to be, but, like, that's that's just, that's just football because you're competing against another person. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm throwing a shot put and it's like, oh, uh, right. I right. sucked on my first throw, just, uh, you know, twerk your next time. Like, it's a whole another man in front of me. So, you know, sometimes he might get the better of me, but you can watch every game that I've played in, especially these last three years. I, I can't really point to one guy who got the better of me for a whole game. Or if we split the reps 50-50, I, I, I lost. So that that's just how I see it. And that's how I hope to what I hope to bring to the Las Vegas Raiders. So we talked a little bit about your extra year. Uh, well, I'm curious, what was the experience like at the, the Shrine Bowl for you? Because I saw Eric Galco uh, right before the draft uh, or right after tweeting about how he thought that you were one of the big winners uh, from the weekend out here. Uh, what was that experience like for you? And how much do you think it helped in terms of building up your draft profile and moving up the board? Yeah, I think it helped a lot. I'm going to just be honest. Like, There's some guys who... You know, first of all, Eric Galco ran a fantastic like show. Like he he had it organized very well. He had everything lined up great. But you know, the premier one is the Reese's Bowl, and you look at like some of these Reese's Bowl guys and some of the Reese's Bowl guys for one reason or another. I'm not going to try to dig into their lives. Maybe fell down a board, or maybe got drafted behind myself or other guys who are at the Shrine Bowl or whatever the case may be. Like Shrine Bowl is going to be on the up and up. Either that or the Reese's Bowl missed out on three or four great players who got drafted before some of their guys. So, you know, I just saw it as another opportunity. Once I got there, I think really after rep one, I think I realized I was one of the best players there. And, you know, obviously there's more to uh, a guy's draft profile than just that game. But I just look to dominate everybody there. And that's what I look to do every time I step on a competitive arena. So, you know, that was my mindset going in, but that's my mindset all the time. So, yeah. You uh, you got the ch- uh, you got a chance to talk to the Raiders D line coach while you're in Vegas too, right? Uh, no, that didn't happen in Vegas. That happened about six days before a draft. Okay. We had a really extensive interview. Yeah. And we had talked, and we had I had, I've talked to a lot a lot of members of the Raiders organization, um, just within the past uh, several months, and you know I think that. Throughout all the conversations, I always had a good feeling about uh, what they had to offer and everything. Um, I even had I even had conversations with guys who had uh, you know uh, connections to the Raiders organization since before the new coaching staff got put into okay. place perfectly. So you know, I always had a good feeling about the organization, and obviously, uh, it's come to fruition. I'm a Raider, and you know, it's a good feeling, and I, I almost kind of felt it 
you know, hindsight's fifty fifty, but I almost kind of felt it in my heart the whole time. Matthew Butler's with us, a fifth round pick of the Raiders, uh, going to be in town later in the week, and then uh, here we go, the long haul in the NFL. Hopefully, uh, you spend a, a long career uh, in the National Football League. You got to see Vegas during the East West Shrine Game. How much did you see, and what are you kind of looking forward to? I didn't see like a ton of it. We we went out to the uh, Pro Bowl experiences and yeah. everything that had to do with the Pro Bowl. I I, I believe that's like um, near uh, the Brightest facility, maybe in Henderson, Henderson, right. or one of the other small towns outside of uh, Vegas. And then I got to see the strip a little bit, like after the game, what to eat, like with uh, my agent and whatnot. Uh, outside of that, you know, it was a lot to see. It was a sight to see, but I was really, like, in the hotel during the week, you know, uh, connecting with teammates and obviously um, interviewing with a lot of teams and trying to make the most of the kind of business opportunity there. Yeah, the the funny thing is, and, uh, you know, John's basically a native here, and I've been here for, like, 26 years. Um if you don't want to go to the strip, you could almost never go to the strip. Now, Allegiant Stadium's right there, so you're going to see the strip. But, you know, in daily life, like the strip could be part of your life or you could choose for it not to be because there's pretty robust suburb, uh, suburbs now. And I know a lot of the Raiders live, you know, right near the facility and the facilities uh, around some beautiful communities. So, you know, strip or not, you're going to have a good time here. Yeah, definitely. I, and that's one thing that I noticed, even my uh, small time being outside of the hotel that week, like, there's more to Vegas than the strip where we were able to, and it's, it's nice out there. Like, you know, in Tennessee, you get a lot of mountains, but you don't get to see them all because it's hilly here. But okay. it's like in Vegas, it's just flat desert mountain. You know, yeah. you want to, you want to, <laughs> you want to stretch a little bit and go out to uh, LA and just make a quick drive. You probably could go to the grand Canyon from Vegas, a, a decent drive. So, yeah. wow. uh, and then all and all my friends or my old teammates who are on the Raiders and stuff like that, they'll tell me about, you know, hiking and different nature and whatnot. Us all, you know, seems really cool. Who are uh, who are some of the guys you know on this Raider team? Uh Jakob Johnson and Kendall Vickers. Okay. And then like some staff guys that used to be at Tennessee too. Cool deal. Cool deal. Um I th- I don't know if uh, you're an old soul, but I did connect with you on one thing you put in your Tennessee bio. You had a couple of favorite movies listed. Do you remember what you put down? I probably like Rocky Four and The Dark Knight. You did put Rocky Four. Why Rocky Four? Oh, I mean, it's it's really more of a um, it's more of an intricate movie than kind of meets the eye. Of course, kind of. So, oh, it's just a boxing match. But it's a lot more than that. Oh, yeah. We'll probably be talking for a little while if we can do the <laughs> oh, oh, believe me, I would, have, movie, you know? I, would, I would have the conversation. First of all, uh, John, don't give it a thumb. First of all, John. Rocky, Rocky 1. No, 4 with Drago. I, know, I understand that, but I'm just on. saying. I've never seen Rocky 4, and Rocky 1, I'm just going to say this. Don't say it. Is one of the most boring movies no, I've ever No, it's not. I get this... Matthew, I get this all the time from these guys who do the show with me. They're like, they don't like Rocky, and it's like you... It's not just... Like he just said, it's not just boxing, man. There's Adrian... A, yeah, but there's a lot to the beginning of the story too. I need lizard food, Adrian. Okay, don't don't do the accent. You're ter- you're terrible at it. And I will say the the soundtrack in Rocky Four is like an all time soundtrack. Oh, it is. That's for sure. That's for sure. What what other one did I put down? That was the only two. You actually you did put Dark Knight oh, and Rocky Four. Okay. So and uh, 
I'm not the uh, biggest Batman guy, but uh, I connected. I'll, on get, Robin. I'll get behind that one. You'll get behind that one. Behind. How do you how do you how do you understand the deeper meaning behind Rocky Four, but not the Dark Knight? He's asking you. I haven't seen it. Well, then I, I, see it. Yeah, I'll watch. I'll, I'll watch it on a recommendation. I mean, you know, you're, you're six. Well, that's four, definitely, you're, it's definitely a recommendation. Okay, but you have to keep your. Don't think superhero. Think think life. You know what I mean? All right. Yeah, think I've life. heard. I, I've heard people rave about the movie. So, and it's not like it's. We're not talking like we're not comparing that to like the Marvel series, right? No. Okay. We are not. No. Okay. All right. Because the Marvel series gets. Uh, I mean, I like them, but it gets a little silly sometimes. It is. It's very so. I have very refined taste. Like Matthew re- said, the, the underlying, <laughs> like the tone of the Dark Knight is actually, there's a lot deeper meaning there. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll into it. I'm into it. You, I'll, I'll watch Dark Knight. You, you sit down and watch Rocky Four, And we'll both get back to Matthew and see. I was going to say, I'll do it for Matthew. How about that? Yeah. Well, he's, he's 6'4", 295, <laughs> so we better do it or else, right? Uh, well, have a good trip out here. Sorry there was a little bit of angst with your, your packing. Um, but I think you're going to love Vegas. And the Raiders organization is a very cool organization. And I'm sure you've heard their fans are freaking maniacal, loyal lunatic, so you're going to have a great time. Yeah, but I, I've, I've learned that these last couple of days, and uh, shoot, I mean, my social media is my name, dot .94, and on Instagram, and my Twitter is Matt Butler underscore 45. For anybody listening, go ahead and follow me and keep up with, because I try to, you know, put cool stuff on social media and stuff like that, so I won't be a lame. Yeah. Follow me on social media and see uh, whatever cool stuff I have to put out. Thank you so much for the time, all right? Thanks, man. Thanks, man. There he is, Matthew Butler. One of the newest Raiders, fifth-round pick, defensive lineman, 6'4", 295, highly decorated academically. Uh, from, you, know, you hear from a lot of scouts, had a monster year, really hit a new level uh, in the SEC in his final year. And, uh, hey, Raiders are looking for young guys in a lot of competition and a big rotation on the defensive line, so he's going to be a big part of it. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. So John's had a big week. By the way, thanks to uh, Matthew Butler. That was excellent. One of the newest Raiders. Good stuff. Did I go too hardcore on the moving? I wanted to buy stuff. Uh, I, will I, say, I, just, I just don't like. I don't like people throwing stuff out, man. He's got to have good stuff. He's just throwing out. I feel like at some point he's just like, I'm not going to give you the couch, man. Like, oh, the couch? Yeah. No. I think I was willing to buy his bed. I don't need a bed. Right. He got off to a weird territory. Well, he brought it up. What the fact that I mentioned I had a broken bed that I refused that, to throw out? Like, oh, I, like, I rebuilt it and all that kind of stuff. And well, I, I I reinforced it. It was a joke. I was like, we didn't. It didn't break because. Didn't break because, you know, I was going at it with the SO. It was just, unfortunately, the, I have a good my, my side of the bed was just a, just a mess. I was all bed frame freaking bent in. And what about the bed frame? Well, uh, my, uh, my wife uh, decided that she didn't want the bed frame, even though it was an extra hundred dollars. What'd you do with it? When we bought it. Oh, uh, the original. Okay. Originally. Like the original wire, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Bed so frame what'd you do? Uh, we got rid of it. Um, I, I can't remember what we even did with it, but. <sighs> Got rid of it. Can always uh, use one. Why it matters, though, is because, you know, raises you off the floor. Yeah. So the little crawlies can't get you. You know, the <laughs> bugs every once in a while. So we found, like, a spider in the bed the other day. And, and she was like, oh, my God. And I'm like, you know, we had a bed frame. And if it was raised, these spiders wouldn't be in our bed. Now we have to go buy a new one, even though we have one. And I told you so moment. Yeah. It's very frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, so f- all of that, f- follow, follow Matt Butler underscore 45. 
That's Matthew Butler, fifth round pick, defensive lineman, big fella. Didn't but, laugh at my jokes. Uh, you know, sometimes you can't hear on the phone. We have a dry sense of humor. Get in the bag for a second. Stick your hand Thank in you. there, Dave. So big week for you. Uh, you had a, I, is this a transition in life? You sent something over about flushable wipes. Oh, yeah. Without yes. getting too graphic, because that's my department. What what happened? Oh, yeah. Toilet paper's rough. You're just discovering this? On your booty. You're just discovering this. Oh, I mean, I knew it, but okay. you know what I mean? And like, yeah. man, the flushable wipes are a game changer. Things change when you get older, too, right? I mean, I haven't noticed that yet. You care about rear end care a uh, lot more than you did in your 20s. But I mean, let's just say, I mean, I mean there's just certain areas that are just cleaner now. Yeah. You, you know what it's I mean? It's hygienic. Right. It's great. Feel smooth. What if I told you I have a butt wipe story? I would. You're a man of many years. So yes, <laughs> yes. I have a lot. Uh, all I was going to say is, can I tell you how I actually discovered the joy of the butt wipe? Okay. This is the kind of Wait, impact. the butt wipe, like the action? No, the, uh, the wipes. Oh, okay, the actual okay. nice, right, soft yeah. wipes. Like no, the, the, the reason years. I tried them years ago, and this guy, this is why this guy's a Radio Hall of Famer, and he wasn't even selling them at the time. He was just telling stories. It was actually from Howard Cern. I crap you not, pun intended. He was talking about it one day. I'm like, let me give this a try. Oh, wow. Now, anytime you talk about these flushable butt wipes, people will come over the top and then they will say, dude, you got to get no the bidet. No. People swear by the bidet. But here's my thing. It's not that it, like, I actually don't mind all that kind of stuff. Yeah. My whole thinking, because I've never had one before, is how, how does it aim? Like, like, is it really going to get that? Like, do I People, have to aim it every time? I mean, it's hundred. Isn't it like hundreds of years of usage? What do you doubt the technology and the effectiveness of the bidet? What are you crazy? Kinda. I thought you were worried about your kid coming in and just getting sprayed in the face. Well, that too. I mean, yeah, they're just going to be setting it off more. all the time. And now it's you know, as a parent, there's no privacy. It's just like, hey, dad, and I'm just like. <sighs> You got to get a padlock the door. Yeah. That's a that's a work area when you're in radio. That's an intense work area. All right, we'll build on this tomorrow. Thank you.